something we've been talking about for the last few weeks, and one thing that I talked about last week that I think has sparked some of the things that we're going to do today um, is the cross. Uh, we've been going through John and leading up to this, this point in John where Jesus was crucified. Uh, obviously, this is a very big deal. A lot happened um, at that point. Um, and we even, as we're leading up to today, we're going we're gonna to stop a little short at the end just so you guys are prepared. Don't eat the cake yet. We're going to serve you guys with cake. We're going to have a happy birthday celebration. It's going to be a lot of fun. We even toyed with the idea of decorating the cross in, in a kind of a birthday theme, um, but we ended up not wanting to offend anyone, so we didn't do that. But I want to give my reason for that, um, and I believe it, it, it really comes from Scripture, and it comes from what we talked about last week, and in the hope that God gives us, and the hope that Jesus gives us in the midst of hopelessness. I think all of us have experienced at some point in our lives um, some form of hopelessness where we feel like we can't get past this, and I hear... I hear stories, um, over the years I've heard several stories of people that have just given up, given up on life, given up on relationships, given up on, you, you fill in the blank, given up on something because they thought, they, I can't get past this, I, this is a hopeless situation. Um, if you've not experienced that, just live a little bit longer. <laughs> you'll, get, you'll get to a place where you go, I, I don't know how I'm going to overcome this, right? And I believe the cross is such a... Um, a real, real comma, powerful picture of a hopeless, something hopeless that has been transformed into something that gives us hope. Something um, that we look at all the way from the Old Testament, beauty from ashes into the New Testament in the, the absolute tree of life coming from something that represented death. And, I mean, the cross in its day, even the prophecies, were, they were prophesying that this was going to happen before crucifixion was even invented, um, before they even began to to uh, execute people that way. Um, but as I, as I look at the cross, your first, I imagine most of first our thoughts is it's, I mean, it's essentially like an electric chair. It's a, it's a place where people go to die. And I think that there's something not just, not just inter- interesting intellectually, but powerful uh, spiritually that God has transformed something by way of Jesus that represented death and hopelessness into something that represents life and hope. And that is a very supernatural thing. That's not just, not just an idea. It's not just a, a way that we can think about things. It's, it's what it is. It's the truth. He beat death. Like, this, at, at, we just say that as though, I mean, that's such a huge thing. I mean, at some point, uh, we all go through this, this anxiety or fear of death, and we no longer have to fear that. I mean, that's huge. That's a huge thing that, even though we know statistically one out of every one person in here is going to die a physical death, it's going to happen. We know that. That's, that's definitive. We don't have to fear. We don't have to be afraid because we simply change zip codes. We get to go be with, with Jesus. One of the scriptures I'm going to get to in a minute, but I've just keeps popping back up in my head, is when Paul says to live as Christ and to die as gain. And we use that scripture a lot, and we usually emphasize the die as gain part. Well, of course, that's a one-time deal. <laughs> when you die, it's gain. You go to heaven. <laughs> That's the easy part to emphasize. I think for us on earth now, I think we should really focus on the first part. Amen. To live as Christ. What does that even mean? What does it mean to live as Christ? How do we live? How, how is it that we live and it's Christ? Well, that's what I want to talk about today. <laughs> There's a, a few different uh, ways that people view Scripture, and I'm going to tell you my way of viewing Scripture. And it's a it's a couple big words, but they're very basic in nature. It's a Christocentric hermeneutic, meaning we, or I specifically, look at Scripture through a Jesus lens, meaning 
I look at everything as though Christ is the center. Now, there's a couple different ways to look at, look at Scripture. Some are, are more uh, theocentric and more God's sovereignty, and that would, be, that would lean more towards a, a Calvinist or hyper-Calvinist or Reformed theology um, that would lean that way. And then there's a humanistic point of view, which means we're the center of the universe and we, we fix everything and we can do everything, which that in and of itself, that thought process is not terrible because I believe that people can do good things and benefit others. But as a whole, that, that falls short because we're flawed, right? This is where we find ourselves, this is where I find myself when I learned to have a more Christocentric point of view is when I could not, I could not save myself, right? And so having a, a Christocentric hermeneutic or having a, what I tell you guys to, to always scratch out your headings in your Bible and put it's all about Jesus, to me this, this was the key and, and was also the key to grace through Christ also. Uh, when we were asked, when we had a little panel up here with, with me and Paul White and, and who was here, Jeremiah Johnson, I think, and they were asking what was a key verse that really made like, the finished work and grace click, and they had really good answers, and I really struggled with that because there were so many. And for me, it was little bits and spots that didn't fit, and it was it was that that Christ-centered point of view, that Jesus-centered point of view, that filled all those in, the the unmerited favor and the grace of God filled all those spots that I couldn't reconcile, that I just skipped over because I couldn't figure them out. So there was there was a lot going through that I had to discover that all of the Old Testament was pointing towards Jesus, and all of the New Testament is saying He's here and He brought His kingdom with Him. And he died and was resurrected, ascended, and then sent his Holy Spirit for us to have every day, all the time, right now, every minute. So to me, to live as Christ is to have Christ be the basis for which we live our lives every moment of every day. So Christ is at the center of it all, right? So the, the temptation is to try to figure out some practical way for us to do this and like remind ourselves. There's nothing wrong with reminding yourself of that. But what we have to be careful is that we don't make it uh, just a... Uh, a religion or, or a tradition that we do these things so that it's because of that we do these things. So when we find ourselves in a relationship with the Father, to live as Christ is to receive the love and the acceptance and the forgiveness that he has for us and to give that to other people, not to try to gain those things on our own by trying to do better, more of a humanistic point of view, to try to, to, try to do good so that, right? The, the hard, the real hard pill to swallow is logically we think do good, get good, do bad, get bad, right? But the, the kingdom view is <laughs> do good, get good, do bad, get good, <laughs> essentially. Um, because it's, it's God's goodness that, lead us to, that leads us to repentance. It's not his wrath. Of course he had wrath and he poured it out on Christ on our behalf. It doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't shy away from God's wrath. It puts it in its correct place. It's not that there wasn't... There wasn't um, a holy sacrifice that had to be made, it's us recognizing what that was, and it's not us. It's realizing that it's Christ, to live as Christ, to realize that that's his sacrifice. We talked about last week about resting in that truth. When we talk about a Sabbath rest, that's not just on Sundays. That's not Christ-centered. Christ-centered is, that's every day, because he lives with you now all the time. Uh, a Sabbath rest means it doesn't matter what's going on around you, that you can find peace in Christ right now. This, this is easy to say, but sometimes it's hard to, to live out. Because just like the Bible tells us that we see this kingdom in front of us, we see the things that are going on around us, and those are easy to, to deal with, it's a little more difficult sometimes to see this invisible kingdom. I'm reminded as I, I kind of look across this room and see you guys, I'm, I've known, I was just telling Bill, man, I've known you a long time. <laughs> we, we, he gave me a hug this morning. I was like, man, I've known you forever. And I think about the history and all these little details that, that are almost like puzzle pieces that connect us over the years. I mean, 
yeah, we're friends, and, and we, we don't talk every day necessarily. Um, but when we talk, it, it's, it's like all of that just comes right back to, to, to knowing each other, to totally trusting each other and knowing that we have each other's best interest. To live as Christ is that same way. Amen. To live as Christ is God is for you. He knows your circumstances. He knows what you're going through. If, if you've not gotten in your prayer closet or you haven't gone through these things that you think that he is desiring you to do, that's okay. Don't run away anymore. Just come back and talk to him again. As a loving father, if my kids were gone for a while and I missed them and they thought, man, I haven't called dad in a while. I haven't talked to him in a while. I'm just not going to talk to him. I would say, you idiot. <laughs> that's the opposite of what I would want. Call. I, I don't care how long it's been. Let's, the, nothing's changed. The relationship hasn't changed, right? But the problem we find, especially early on when I, when I was born again, and, and kind of fell into the, the, the trap of a more man-made religion is you jumped off one, it was almost like stop taking one drug, start taking another. I jumped off one treadmill and jumped on another one. I went from a, you know, whatever humanistic or whatever point of view I had over here and jumped on an, another version of that same thing, a humanistic uh, point of view in a church. That's what religion does. It tries to, tries to reproduce something it can't be. And so you get on this treadmill and you can't, you're trying to do all this stuff that you couldn't do in the world. <laughs> you're like, now, you know, I really want to do it more, but I can't quite keep up. That's where Christ, live as Christ, changes you. Christ says, you are complete in me. You are forgiven, holy right now. <laughs> it's baby noises. Um, man, speaking of miracles, what, how awesome is that? Amen. Listen, I'll tell you, we... Uh, you, we're, we'll go back in time. We'll go, I may not even get to my sermon today, but that's okay. I'm going to go back in. I'm gonna, we're going to story time. Y'all good for stories? Story time. We, a uh, long, long time ago, we went to another church, and Bill went there. Um, far, far away. I've got some spoiler alerts, from, but I'm not going to say them. I'm waiting a few weeks to let it breathe. I'm going to wait a few weeks, but y'all better watch The Mandalorian, because there's, there's an episode I want to preach. All right. So, <laughs> I'm just telling you. So, uh, <laughs> y'all distracted me. Long time ago, far, far away, we went to a different church, and there was a couple in that church that were trying to get pregnant, similar situation um, as you guys, and they were trying to get pregnant, and they had gone through, I mean, years of doctors, and some of that stuff works great. I'm not downing that. I think it's awesome. You know, our daughter is going, she's trying to go to college. She's going to go to college to be a nurse. I think it's a great thing. The medical field is incredible. But there's a certain time when they, I was like, you know what, why don't we just pray about this? And I, I, I had two forms of thought even back then. I believed in miracles, but I wasn't 100% sure. And I remember telling them, I was like, look, I said, we have a, some other friends of ours that several years before then had the same exact thing happen. They had gone through all these different processes, and they were frustrated, and they were crying, and they were just, they really wanted to have a baby, and it wasn't working out. And they stopped everything. They stopped going to the doctors. They stopped doing all that stuff. And they just began to pray. And then they got pregnant, like, real quick after that. And I told that story to this couple um, at this, this other church we were going to, and I said, I'm not, not trying to down everything that y'all have done. And I, even, I gave them two options. I was like, whether it was a miracle from God or maybe they just like chilled out and their bodies relaxed and it just worked, I don't know. All I know is this is what happened and maybe it'll happen for you. And so we prayed with them and we talked about it. And sure enough, they stopped everything, started praying, and just uh, I think a month or two later, they got pregnant. I think they've had two or three kids since then. And... Uh, and fast forward to now, we find this very similar situation with you guys, and it's like, this seems to be a pattern. Um, and I believe, however we want to look at that, I believe that that, that 
that, that living as Christ to, to, to see an invisible kingdom, even, even like what we were talking about in worship, to see something that's not currently as though it is. And I'm not talking about just some name it, claim it type of process that we say, oh, it's going to happen, and because I said it's going to happen. No, I don't, I'm not talking about that. I'm saying war in the Spirit. Pray about this stuff as though, and I'm telling you, I'm, I've got four or five different things right now that I'm warning in the Spirit about myself, some personal, some outside. But there are things that I, that I have exhausted everything that I can think to do because I'm a fixer, and now I've got to take that and I've got to give it to the Lord and say, you have to do something here. And I could, I could tell you about it constantly, but I can tell you myself um, from experience, I've never seen God fail in these areas. Now, I will tell you that it may not, it may not look the way you think it's going to look. That I have seen. I have seen where I'll pray about a specific situation. I've got a, a perceived outcome, and God actually has something better, but it doesn't look the same way that, that I thought it was going to look. Yeah. Oh. So I just really felt the Lord wanted me to share this, given what you just said about <clears throat> it may not look exactly like you expect it to. So um, Renee and I, uh, Renee prayed for years for lots and lots of kids, and she was only able to have two. I know the end of the story. Okay. okay. Yeah. So she was only able to have two and had a couple of miscarriages. Well, you know, Kathy passed away, and we had five. And so then Renee and I got married, and so now she has seven kids. <laughs> That's awesome. And I was... <laughs> And I wasn't going to bring that up, but that's a perfect example. I mean, it really is because it's not the way, it's not, it's not necessarily the way that, that, you know, everyone, we would have planned this or thought this out, but it was God's plan already. He was already doing something. He was working in the waiting. While we were waiting, he was doing something. He was working. And I could go on and on about, you know, the conversations we've had, but I'm not going to talk about all that right now. Um, but I think it's important that we see that, that this is not, I'm not just trying to convince you of a truth so that you'll believe it because I believe it. It is the truth. <laughs> And I hope that you receive it, whether you believe it or not. And, and, and honestly, this, it, whether you believe it or not, doesn't, doesn't change the fact that we t- when we talk about this Christocentric hermeneutic, when we talk about Christ being the center of everything, whether we believe that or not doesn't cease it to exist. He does. Amen. He is the center of everything. And see, I'll butcher a C.S. Lewis quote. If you find it, you can correct me. But it was something about the sun. It's not, I believe, I believe in Christ um, like I believe in the sun. It's not because I believe in it. It's because, it, because of it, I see everything else. In other words, it's because... It's because of Christ that I can really see life. Amen. I go back to those, those days, pretty dark days, I remember in my youth, trying to figure out who I was and that kind of thing, and really losing a lot of hope in, in my life. Genuinely, like, planned, if you can, to die young. Like, I thought in my early 20s I, I'd probably die, probably in a car wreck because I drove like crazy. Um, but I thought, I, I don't really have a future. I didn't see, I wasn't going to go to college. I wasn't, you know, <clears throat> dropped out of high school. I was in, in trouble here and there, and... I was, I was going a direction that I thought, eh, this probably isn't going to end well for me, <laughs> you know. And, but I, but, I, but in, in my thought process, I never thought of God as being good. And that, that from not having a father at all that I could really relate to on the earth um, really was perpetuated in this idea that God was not good and, and that I couldn't trust him. And so I had a very much more humanistic point of view that I've got to take care of myself, and I'm not real good at it. So I'm probably not going to last too terribly long on this earth. But all of that stemmed from, I'm just being honest, all that stemmed from uh, my, my lack of identity 
my lack of understanding that I, I had value, any value at all. Um, and it was funny how the Lord worked that out when he, when he placed certain people in my life to, at, to, to make sure that I could see God's heart in them. And it wasn't this, you know, get right or get left or turn or burn kind of mentality. It was, a, it was, a, <clears throat> it was, a, it was, I'm curious of why these people are acting like this because it goes against everything that I understand about people because I'd seen bad people do bad things and hurt people and hurt me. And so when I saw people that were good outside of their own, genuinely it was Holy Spirit driven outside of their own ability to be good, and I saw it live and in person right in front of me, I, my, I couldn't, it did not compute. <laughs> like, I don't understand this. Why are, you, why are you doing this? This isn't fair. That's what it was. But what I was seeing was the Holy Spirit drawing me near to him. What I saw was, a, a tiny taste of how good God is through the people that represented him on earth. Now, none of those people were perfect. Some of them failed and they messed up. But it was those times when I got to peek and see the Holy Spirit in them. Most of them were either at work or uh, were in just different areas that I ended up finding myself that God placed so that I could see those things. Listen, I was not looking for God at that time in my life. I was not looking for him at all. I thought I had a pretty good grasp of who he was, and I wanted to go the different direction. I wanted to do my own thing. God ran me down. God made it a point to make sure that I knew who he was. He took the time to plant seeds throughout my life. Even before I really could understand what that meant, he was planting seeds the whole time. All those seeds took time to begin to take root, and it was God that watered them. It wasn't anybody else. But those people planted those seeds throughout my life. And I remember even being a kid hearing stories and and understanding that there was a God, but I did, none of it really made any sense to me, and I was very self-centered in my ideas of who God was. The humanistic point of view will carry itself over into religion if you let it. That's what we have to be careful about. This thing doesn't revolve around you or me. It just doesn't. It, if we look at Scripture that way, we will find ourselves pretty quickly in a cult. <laughs> it may have a denomination tied to it or a church building, but I'm just saying, if, if, if this thing revolves around us, it's not, it's, it's not the gospel. Everything revolves around Christ. It all revolves around Christ. And I'm going to skip over most of my sermon just to give you this because it's such a good scripture. And we'll talk about this another day because I want to, cele- I want to celebrate with you guys. Um, man, is it all the way at the end? No, I skipped over. Hang on. There it is. I got so many circles and... and uh, arrows, and it's Colossians 1.15. If you want to know, (laughs) there's many other scriptures that, and the Holy Spirit that leads me to have this this Christ-centered viewpoint, but if you you want to know something that really solidified it for me, it's Colossians 1.15. It says, the Son, talking about Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for in Him, who? The Son, Jesus. In Him all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is who? Christ. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn among the dead, so that in everything he may have supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. 
in Christ is all things. God's heart for us is put in the flesh in Christ. This doesn't take away our understanding of, of, of God and how powerful and sovereign he is. It just helps us understand how much he loves us and, and took all of that power and all of that authority and all of his supremacy and placed it in human form so that he could feel what we feel and die like we die so that he could beat death for us and give us a reconciliation with the Father. You, yours and my goal is not to try to catapult people into heaven. That was another confusion that I had coming into the church. It's not your job. Your job is not to try to catapult people into heaven. Heaven, your job is to demonstrate heaven to people on earth. Amen. The kingdom of God, when he says the kingdom of God is at hand, he means the kingdom of God is at hand. When he says the kingdom of God is present, it means he's present. The kingdom starts now. The, the jewels that, that we talk about when we do see heaven in its fullness are the relationships that you and I build on earth because it's the only thing that's going to make it. Our bodies won't make it. The jewels don't matter. The roads are paved with gold, so it doesn't have the value that you think it does. The relationships that you have are going to last forever. Pour into the people that are around you, even, even when it's illogical because love knows no bounds. We don't have that luxury as much as, we, as much as we want to sometimes because we're people, we're human. As Christians, we don't have that luxury because to live is Christ. When we look at the cross and we see, when we look at the cross, we don't see death anymore, we see life. When we look at people's hopeless situations, we see them through a Christ lens. It's not hopeless, there is hope. There, this isn't the end. We know that there is hope in this situation. We don't look at circumstances as though they can, they can change us. We look at circumstances as Christ would look at them. And he touched lepers and he never got leprosy. He touched situations and they didn't affect him. He affected them. Amen. To live as Christ is to see something and go, none of this lines up with what God has for this situation. But I see a solution here and Christ is going to fix it. And I'm not going to just war in the flesh. I'm going to war in the spirit. And I'm going to bring this to God, and I'm going to say, God, you have to do something here. You promised, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to hold you to it. You're going to fix this, and I don't know how it's going to look, but not my will, but yours be done. This hurts. This hurts me. Listen, the thing about the cross is, crosses aren't easy. You look at the cross, and it's difficult. There were, there were three people at the cross. There was Jesus and, and two crooks. One of them basically demanded a, a miracle and said, hey, you say you're this guy, you jump off the cross and bring me with you. He didn't want his cross. <laughs> he wanted God to perform. He was, that's a more prideful way of looking at it. The other one said, hey, I don't know what's going on. I hate, I'll take this cross. I'll die, but, but I want to be where you are in your kingdom. And Jesus said, okay, you will. The two, the two frames of thought there are, which the scriptures tell us, um, that God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. We don't stand up and demand something and try to avoid this cross. We need to be like Simon and go and grab the tail end of that sucker and, and look at Christ and go wherever he's going. We talked about last week Simon going and helping him as though he was helping, helping. But there's a pretty good viewpoint when you're right next to Christ taking that cross, saying, I'm going to see all the insults hurled, the abuse that's going this direction. I know that the situation is not going to be pretty, but I'm going to dive into it because I know the one that is carrying this cross is bigger than anything that's going on around me. And I'm going to walk. And I'm going to celebrate, even though this feels like death and this feels like pain, this feels like suffering and humility and shame, I'm going to go 
and I'm going to celebrate because I see the joy set before me. When we, rip, when we see the cross, we don't see it as death, we see it as rest. When we look at the cross, we say, listen, as we, as we get closer to, to Christmas, we, we talk about the birth, and it's a good thing to celebrate, and we're about to do that. Um, we celebrate the birth of Christ, but we have to realize that Christ was born for a reason. It's good that we celebrate his birth, but if we look at his birth, we have to look at, we have to look at it all the way to the end, and we see he was born for the cross. Something we do at Easter is we, we decorate the cross with flowers because it celebrates life. We had a conversation yesterday. I'm going a little bit over, but I'm about to wrap it up. Um, we were going past the cemetery the other day where we live now. We pass the cemetery a lot. And so the girls were asking, how do they bury people so close together because they're like real close? She's like, they can't fit. I was like, I have no idea. But that opened up a conversation, and we began to, to talk about um, dying. And I was like, look, if, when I die, don't. I said, oh, no, that's what I said. I said, maybe I think you pay extra for more land that you buried in. I don't know. I probably need to plan this stuff out. I'm getting older. But I said, uh, I said, I guess you get more land. But I said, please don't. We don't need to waste any money on land for me because I'm not going to be there anymore. Um, but it made me think about something. It made me think that when I was telling them, I was like, please, you know, I know there's going to be mourning or whatever when I die, but please celebrate my life. I don't, you know, whether there's mourning or not, I want, regardless of what that looks like, I want there to be a celebration. Because to live is Christ and to die is gain, right? So we're going to sing happy birthday. We're going we're to try to end on a happy note here. We're going to sing happy birthday. And we've got birthday cake. And where's, is Angela here? Did she go? Is she helping? Oh. Okay. Yeah, go get the kids and bring Angela because it's Angela's birthday too. So we'll, we'll include her in Jesus' birthday. Yeah, bring the kids in. <laughs> happy birthday, Jesus and Angela. But we're Christocentric, so more Jesus. Um, <laughs> I want to thank the Birches for getting the birthday cake and.